Well, welcome back to Beyond Sunday, where we dive into the culture of Vox Church. We're excited again. We have Justin Kendrick, our lead pastor, and today we're going to talk a little bit about his new series called Colossus. If you haven't had a chance to dive into any of the past episodes, make sure you go online or check it out because it is unbelievable. Some of the best preaching I think I've heard from <laughs> JK. So without any further ado, welcome back, buddy. It's good to be here. Yeah, always. Ab- absolutely. It's, it's always good to have you. Uh, so we're going to start right in. We're going to dive into yeah. Colossus. And Let's do it. One of the things that I want to know is mm-hmm. how do you come up with a whole entire sermon series? When you, when you yeah. put a plan together, or do you start with, hey, I'm going to do this many weeks? Or, right. you know, how is it that you come up with a sermon series? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, I think every series is a little different. So when we map out the year, um, really what we do is we start with a few really important questions. So one of the first questions I ask is, okay, what culturally is happening right now that the gospel needs to speak into. So for example, like, you know, the area of sexuality, the area of money, and in, in this context, the area of identity mm-hmm. is so huge in our cultural, you know, uh, bubble that we live in. So many people struggling with the idea of identity. So every year we look at the year and this is a part of our elder team, our executive team weighs in, our staff weighs in, and we really say, okay, what are the issues that are happening in the world? I love how John Wesley years ago said that, you know, if you don't preach the gospel in the context of the issues of your day, then you haven't fully preached the gospel. So that's one of the first things. So we say, okay, what are the major issues going on in our society? How do we address them from a biblical point of view? And then we look at other things like, okay, how are we going to throughout the course of the year uh, teach on Jesus specifically? How are we going to teach from the Old Testament? Where are we going to take somebody verse by verse through the Bible? Uh, Where are we going to teach the people of God to really study God's word more intently? And so we'll map out a whole year or usually six months in you know, in succession and try to make sure it's like a healthy diet. You know, if you just eat broccoli all the time, that's not going to be the best thing, even though broccoli is great for you. And so I think a healthy church grows when you uh, look at preaching from a few different angles. So in the area of Colossus, you know, we say, listen, I think identity is maybe the biggest issue of our day. Uh, Really understanding who I am. I think that it is just a mess uh, in most of our lives. And so uh, when we started to think through, okay, that's the topic. Now, how are we going to deal with it? Uh, that is sort of up for debate. So we probably did three or four brainstorms over the last year where I'd bring a group of people, mostly guys on our team or on our staff or on our leadership. And I'd say, okay, in the area of identity, what elements uh, do you think play a role in mm-hmm. understanding your identity in Christ? And so we'd get 20 or 30, and then we'd uh, you know, bat those around, do it again with a different group of people. I would take those notes, harvest that information, pray through it, think through it, look through it, eventually kind of isolating seven movements that are going to be these seven teachings yeah. that we'll do in this series that will really outline from kind of the beginning, like what's wrong with us, mm-hmm. to hopefully like a conclusion of like how do we live from a biblical identity, yeah. you know? And as we make the transformation and in going into a new building, uh, yeah. we're going into a new venture, what is it that would you say is Vox's identity? Mm. I know I know, we're talking a lot about yeah. individual identity, who yeah. we are in God, who we are to ourselves, but what would you say the identity of Vox is? Yeah. If you were to describe that in one sentence, oh, I, don't know, I don't know if you can, but yeah. in one sentence, what would you say the identity one is? One sentence yeah. identity you can of ex- Vox? You can expand on it, but uh, in, in yeah. just a couple words. Well, okay, so I'll do it in two words, sacred community, right? Uh, like I think that, I think that um, 
you know, sacred means that we're doing something that lasts forever, something that is holy. It's mm -hmm. different than, you know, the club you go to, the gym you go to, no offense to gyms, the, yeah. you know, the, uh, you know, the coffee shop you go to is different because there's a sacredness because yeah. it's the people of God gathering around the gospel. But then it's also community, which means we uh, do life together. We build family together. Mm -hmm. So I think in one word, church, even beyond Vox, because Vox is going to come and go. There's going to be a day where Vox church is over, but there's never going to be a day where the church is over. Yeah. The church is the only eternal institution on the planet. It'll last forever. Mm -hmm. And so to be a part of the eternal work on planet Earth that God is up to is awesome. I mean, it's crazy. And so sacred because it's God's idea. The church is God's idea. And then community because it really is, uh, I know this is hard for people, but it's family that lasts longer than family. You know, there's going to be a day where every one of us is dead and our biological family is over on planet Earth, mm -hmm. but our spiritual family never ends. Yeah. And so even though like we, we, you know, God does want us to love our families for sure, um, that family connection is temporary. The Jesus connection is forever. Oh, so, man. See, so, yeah. that, that, that wasn't bad. No, it was okay. It, yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't bad. Yeah. You had a couple words, yeah. words in there. So one of your <laughs> last sermons, we talked a little bit about, yeah. you know, the intentionality of sin. Yeah. If you are walking your path and you just so happen to, you know, commit that one thing right. and you just keep going back to it. Right. You know, you talked a little bit about in your sermon and what that's like, yep. but what are some practical steps that you can take in order? You know, we all have vices and we all, you know, I like to say the struggle is real. Struggle is real. Yeah, the struggle is real for yeah. for a lot of us. So what are some practices that we can put in play? So good. You know, and I don't know what it is that you do. I mean, mm -hmm. you gave a little bit of an example. If you if you missed it, make sure you go check out, uh, I think it was Sermon 2. The title yeah. was... The Divide Inside. Yes, The Divide Inside. Make sure you check that one out. Yeah. But what are some practical, uh, practical steps that we can take? It's good. Yeah, uh, I think the first thing is you have to come at sin from the perspective that God is smarter than me which is actually very unnatural for all of us because we all think we're pretty smart and we try to compare what God thinks versus what we think. And most of the time, if we don't understand something, we go with what we think. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the natural human inclination. So part of getting free from sin, and we talked about this, own your brokenness, right? That was the first kind of step. You got to own your brokenness is a deep acknowledgement that God's ways are higher than mine and that he can see things I just can't see. You know, like I have little kids. And so sometimes like today, for example, they had the day off and uh, from school and and they were like, hey, let's play video games all day, you know, and I sat them down. And I was like, hey, 20 years from now, this is literally what I said. This yeah. is what this is what happens when you're Justin Kendrick's kid. <laughs> I said, 20 years from now, uh, no one's going to care how well you did at Minecraft, yeah. but you're going to read the Gospel of John and you're going to, uh, you know, um, uh, practice your instrument because you're going to thank me. And Gabe picked up his phone. He said, all right, 10 years from down, dad, I'm setting an alarm to oh, thank you so for, for making for sending so my alarm. But, but, um, <laughs> but the point is that, you know, like, with sin, you have to understand that there's somebody smarter than me. Mm -hmm. There's somebody that can see further and see bigger. And so the first kind of practical step is to own your brokenness and say, what does God's word say about this issue? Yeah. So it could be money. It could be sex. It could be relationships. It could be friendship. What does the scripture say? And you're going to read it and you're going to find out, uh, I don't like what it says. You know, that happens all the time. Yeah. Well, now what are you going to do? Are you going to agree with it? Or are you going to disagree with it? So as soon as you agree with God's word, you've now put yourself in the blessing zone mm -hmm. because you've said, all right, God, you're smarter than me and I'm going to agree to your word, even though I don't like it, you know, yeah. now 
living that out is going to be the challenge, right? Mm -hmm. And so what do you do after you've come into agreement with God's word? Well, the next thing you do, sacred community, you invite somebody along with you, right? So you find somebody else who loves and follows Jesus and you say, hey, God's word says this, I'm doing that. I want to change. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. Now, the scripture says, confess your sin one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That's what James says. So there is a supernatural healing that is released when I confess. And so like, if you say, Hey, I don't want to tell anybody about my stupid problem, my habit, my addiction, my fear. Well, friend, there's a huge percentage chance that you're going to stay bound and tied up. It's like fungus. It grows in the darkness and dies in the light. And so as soon as you, the scripture says, when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So you can be forgiven and loved by God, but you can be outside of relationship when there's willful, unconfessed sin in your life. And so confessing it, first aligning with God, second, confessing it, and then third, studying the truth of grace. Mm -hmm. When I study grace, like we talked about this idea that grace, actually the truth of grace, God's acceptance of me, it's like the palm tree in Florida, right? It it allows uh, change to grow in my life. And so uh, accepting the truth of grace that I'm loved, I'm affirmed, I'm accepted by God, that's the environment that now I can actually begin to change. Yeah. Man, so those are some good yeah, practicals. That's, uh, I mean, it's, it's powerful just to hear that. Yeah. But along those same lines, and let's just talk about this. For instance, let's talk about know, it. We, we hit all those things. Yep. You know, we've, we've recognized the fact of what we're doing. We're yep. trying to make a change. We're doing those, those practical steps, yep. but we still deal with this sense of shame yeah. deep down inside yep. because it's not the fact that, you know, we're not striving to be better, yep. but it's the fact that we've already done something that we feel shameful for. Yep. So how do you go through the fact that you, you feel judged and you feel yep. that shame deep down inside mm-hmm. besides the fact of the practical steps? That's good. So that's real. I think every Christian feels that. And I think that, you know, one of the ways, and nobody's going to like I say this, but one of the ways to beat the shame game is to stop doing the sin. You know what I mean? Like the truth is, if you say, hey, you know, I keep going back to the sin and going back to the sin and I'm not not sure why I, you know, feel so ashamed. Well, it's like every time you sin, you're handing the devil a bat to hit you in the head with, Mm. you know? And so it's like, obviously, if it was as simple as stop doing the sin, that's fine. But you do have to understand that the less you disobey God, the less shame you're going to have, you're going to actually deal with. And so living in holiness isn't a straight jacket. It's a field of joy. And so when you understand that like holiness is actually more fun than rebellion, mm-hmm. your heart starts to change and no longer is it's like, all right, I'm white knuckling myself to change. Instead, I actually want to be like God because it makes me happier, yeah. you know? And so I think like, you know, yeah, when you're bound in habitual, consistent sin and you feel ashamed, that's real. It's going to be real. But the less you willfully disobey God, uh, the more and more and more you'll be free from shame. And then the other thing when it comes to shame is really wrestling with lifting my opinion above God's because if God says like in Romans 8 1 there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus if he says you're not condemned then do you still have a right to act condemned and what you what you're basically doing is I'm elevating my opinion above God's decree and that's never going to go well Mm -hmm. because that goes back to the first thing of am I really surrendered to what he wants for my life so it's not just accepting you know his laws of purity it's also accepting his decree of justification Mm -hmm. that I'm right with him you know and so I know for me uh, working the gospel into my heart I think Martin Luther said it he said I have to preach the gospel to myself every day working the gospel into my heart that I'm accepted and loved by God not because of what I've done but because of what he's done Mm -hmm. frees me from that cycle of shame 
and then also progressively stopping the sin that I'm doing yeah. makes me happier. It yeah. really does. Like it makes me happier. And so people think all oh, my sin, you know, whatever it might be, that pleasure that I'm going after that disobeys God, that is what makes me happy. But it, it enslaves me. Yeah. It's, it's pleasure for a moment and pain for uh, days, weeks, months, and even years yeah. afterwards. One of the things that I hear most from, from Christians yep. is they've accepted Jesus. Yep. They're walking down that path but they still have that tie. They still have that right. tie to that one thing. And it's not, it's not one thing that they continually do. They're continually doing. Right. It's that one thing that they did and they can't let go. Yep. So as a pastor, if someone would sit down right in front of you and yep. say, Justin, I did this. Yep. I don't know what to do. I've yep. accepted Jesus. I've yep. been there. I just don't know what to do. I can't get this out of my mind, this one little thing. Yeah, what what would you tell that person? Yeah, so good. And that's happened to me so many times. I mean, I've had a guy sit across from me and say, you know, I committed murder. Um, mm-hmm. I had a guy uh, sit across from me and uh, and confess, you know, unfaithfulness to a spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, like stuff that's like, wow, this yeah. is a nightmare type stuff. Um, I, always, I always go to Paul in that instance because uh, the Apostle Paul, God took the greatest example of uh, sinfulness and brokenness and made him the greatest example of gospel advancement. So here's a guy who actually for a living arrested Christians, Mm -hmm. threw them in prison and had them murdered. So I don't know what you did, but have you murdered any Christians recently? Have you invested your whole life in arresting and throwing people in jail who love Jesus? Probably not. And so Paul is like literally to the nth degree broken and wicked. And here, and he actually says this, he says, now I'm like the most unworthy and yet God has used me as the greatest apostle. Yeah. So God didn't just forgive Paul and make him like a 1% awesome guy. He swung the pendulum the whole way and made him the most effective Christian in history. So if God can take the most wicked man and make him the most effective Christian <laughs> in history, crazy. you're not that jacked up. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's awesome to know Paul's story, yeah. you know, and you think about him walking down the path and all of a sudden, boom, yeah. you know, the Holy Spirit hits him. And it's like, all right. If I'm here and I know I'm not where Paul was, but yeah. if I'm here and it's, it's cool Pretty to hear close you say though. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's like, ah, oh, there's hope. Yeah. You know, there's a light at the end exactly. of the tunnel. If he could do what he did, yep. man, then all I have to do is just let that go. And if God didn't hold that against him and disqualify him for the rest of his life, yeah. why are you acting like God's going to disqualify you for the rest of your life? <sighs> And that's so powerful. I got to write, write that down. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. I'm going to save that one for later. Yeah. It's huge. So one of the things that hit me about your sermon was the analogy of the Rubik's Cube. Mm. You know, it, it, it literally just smacked me right in the face. Mm. And it was like, man, you're making so many strives in this area of your life. Yeah, right. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying more. I'm doing this. It's right. like, all right, well, I'm doing all this. And all of a sudden, you know, you see, all right, well, I'm not working out as much. I'm right. not doing this as much, you know. How is it that you're able to recognize that in your life and able to fix all the areas of your life? Yeah. Because that was one of the questions that I had. It was like, man, can I grow in every, every area, area or is it going to be right. a give and take right. my entire life? Yeah. You know, uh, leadership guys talk about a problem to manage or, a, or a, excuse me, a problem to solve or a tension to manage. And I think that what we have to understand is, so just for those that didn't hear the sermon, I use the illustration of a Rubik's Cube that like you, the Rubik's Cube is multiple sided. You have your professional self, your physical self, your mental self, your emotional self, your spiritual self, many sides. And every time you try to fix one, it feels like you, you change the other, you know, like when you try to get a Rubik's Cube to all be the same color. Um, and in the same way, we are many sided. And every time we try to focus on one, often it feels like another one gets out of whack. Yeah. Um, 
So I do think I do think there is uh, that your personality as a many sided individual is not a problem to solve. It's a tension to manage. And so uh, you're never going to have it all perfect. Right. There is going to be a tension. Um, But I do think that, you know, it's prioritizing those tensions. So you are a spirit who has a soul who lives in a body, you know, which means that your spirit should be first. Mm -hmm. Your emotional and mental soul yourself should be second. And then your body should be third. Now, you can't neglect any of those. So like I know in my, in my story, candidly, through my 20s, I was very spirit-focused. And, and then I was more and more becoming progressively mentally and emotionally healthy. But I did neglect my emotional health. And then I completely neglected my physical health. Yeah. And because of that, it started taking the whole ship down. Mm-hmm. And so I had to get physically healthy and then also get emotionally healthy if I was going to stay spiritually healthy because they are all connected. So, yeah, I don't think it's about doing it perfect. Mm-hmm. I think it's about developing a self-awareness for where am I and how should I grow, always making my spiritual self primary, yeah. you know, because if my spirit's not healthy, nothing's healthy. Yeah. You know, um, I could look healthy, but I'm not going to be healthy long term. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting concept because, again, you know, you think about that perfect Rubik's Cube and you're yeah. like, oh. You know, I immediately, I'm like, oh, that's Jesus. He's obviously, you know, all sided. Everything's perfect. Behold the man. Yeah, he's perfect. You know, and then all of a sudden you make that one, one switch and it's not just a switch to the face. It's a switch to every single aspect of your life. And that's when, what really kind of took a hold of me, you know, as we grow as Christians and as we grow down the path that, that we're on, you know, we continue to grow as a person and, you know, leading into being a leading into being a Christian, you know, one of the things that I wanted to focus on is, you know, studying the Bible more, yep. you know, that was my focus. I wanted to, I wanted to dive into the Bible. I yep. wanted to do this. And as I got almost caught in a rabbit trail, because I was like, you know, now I need to know the history of the Bible. Right, you know, right. we had this conversation yeah, yeah, the yeah. other day <laughs> and, you know, I started diving so far in yep. that I almost got, I, I lost my focus on, That's right. you know, what it is, what am I trying to accomplish? Yep. You know, I need to get myself as close as I can as a, as a walk with Jesus. That's right. And as I was going, I was like, man, no, now I'm talking about this. Now I'm talking about that. Right. You know, do you see that often? In, oh in man, like, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look at the, you look at the apostles and it's like Peter, James, all these guys, John, none of them are Bible scholars, you know? And so is it important to know all about the Bible? Sure it is. But Paul, who is probably the most Bible scholar of all the early uh, leaders, he tells his disciple, Timothy, he says, be careful. Don't let your guys get tangled up in endless genealogies and myths. Focus on Christ. He says, don't wander from Christ. He says, because it's in Christ that really your identity is firmed up. Your, uh, your purpose becomes clear. Focus on Jesus. So anytime, and I do this with guys all the time, I'm talking about somebody and they're like, hey, let's talk about how many years Noah lived. Or let's talk about, (laughs) you know, like, and it's like, okay, that's fine. But let's talk about this. When's the last time you shared your faith? Yeah. Quiet. When's the last time you led somebody to Christ? Quiet. When's the last time you've made a radical sacrifice for the benefit of others and told no one? quiet. And so you start to like, let's get back to the basics of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that's how you grow. Another great one is who are you currently discipling right now? I've talked to pastors and leaders who have huge ministries. And I just simply say, who are you one-on-one personally investing in right now? And there's crickets, no one. And it's like, no one. Well, what's your plan to disciple someone? I have no plan. It's like, well, did did Jesus say the purpose was to go and make disciples? So, you know, there's in spiritual growth, you can only go so far until you have to give away what you have. Yeah. And then you just become like a lake with, with uh, you know, algae growing in it, it rather than a river that's moving. Mm-hmm. And so, in other words, spiritual growth is not so much about knowing everything. Yeah. It's about applying what you do know and then 
giving away what you have mm-hmm. to others. You know? and, and I'll give you so much credit when it comes to this because you always, you know, we have conversations on the side all the time and you always put me back on track. You know, yeah. I have these crazy questions yeah. and I'll ask you because the they're Bible, not wrong. No, yeah, they're not wrong. It's, it's fun. It's good to investigate those things. They just can't be central. Yeah. And, but the Bible is filled with so many amazing stories yeah. and you're like, oh, this is connected to this. It's connected to this. Right. You know, right. all you think of thousands of years ago all of right. a sudden all the prophecies come through right. and there's so many and you always come back to that same that same question yep. what are you doing in your life yep. and who are you discipling and, and all those things yep. you know and i really appreciate that answer because again it's it's a straight up Sobering. answer that you 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 always give that yep. specific answer yep. so let's dive a, a little bit into your personal life and i know we've let's asked dive this, into my personal yeah, life let's Kurt. no let's i've asked this question before you know but one of the questions that we get in a mailbag is you know what does your morning look like and yeah. we talked about this a little bit mm-hmm. uh but what does your morning walk with god look like yeah that's um, great that was from uh i forget who it was from but it was in our mailbag so good yeah, yeah. absolutely well whoever you were yeah <laughs> here's the mystery right now it's not that so yeah so i get up early in the morning i get up before my kids do before my wife does uh, i'm a i'm not really a morning guy i just like jesus and i yeah. i know that once the day gets crazy it's not going to happen so um i always i always seek to get at least an hour alone with jesus before i go to the gym before i do anything else so sometimes that means I got to get up, you know, before the sunrise. Sometimes that means I can get up a little later, depending on uh, what my morning, you know, requires. But I try to get an hour with God, and and I try to think of my time with God in two frames, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, these little things help me. Uh, I look at the Bible when I sow, and I look at prayer when I dig. So I'll unpack those really quick. But uh, basically, sowing means I'm going to approach the Scripture in three different ways over the course of my week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the S stands for systematic. Uh, study, which means I'm going to go through a book in the Bible. Like right now, I'm going through the, the Gospel of John. I'll only yep. read like a chapter maybe and then meditate it. And I'll ask myself, what did I learn? What am I going to apply? Mm-hmm. So that's sowing. I'll do that. And then the, uh, the O, um, what does the O stand for? I forget. Uh, the O stands for putting, one topic yeah. study. Yeah. <laughs> now you're putting me on. I'm like, like oh, wait, what dude, I don't know. What are you talking about? Hold on. No. Let me Google it. <laughs> one topic study. So I do a one topic study. So right now I'm studying the topic of righteousness. So I'm studying every p- passage in the scripture that deals with righteousness. And then the W stands for wait and repeat, which is just to review what I've learned that week and meditate on it and pray through it. So in other words, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'll do systematic reading. Tuesday, mm-hmm. Thursday, I'll do a one topic study. Saturday, Sunday, I'll wait and repeat. So that's my Bible study. It takes me between 20 to 40 minutes every morning, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of that side. But then I take time to pray. And, uh, and, you know, in my prayer time, I dig and, uh, and the, the, uh, the dig is the D is declare my love. That's just worship. You know, I'm just declaring that I love God. The I is intercession. I'm praying for certain requests. And then the G is godly confessions. I'm confessing God's word over my life. And so I'm praying in those three ways. Mm -hmm. One thing I've been adding to my time recently is just like a deep time of reflection where I'll just look at like the previous day and I'll write down things I've learned or things I want to do differently. So that's kind of an add on. But but yeah, my time is broken up at least an hour and it's um, it's broken up in a prayer time and a Bible time. And it's just investment. Uh, so that's kind of like my morning routine with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Then I get up, I brush my teeth, I, I make a <laughs> cup of coffee, I, uh, I go to the sudden, gym the if I can. Yeah. And then, yeah, all the kids come down and I get the boys in the bus, I drive to work. You know, there's all the stuff you don't care about. But yeah, yeah. that's, that's the basics. I, I don't know if we asked that. If <laughs> you guys want to know, you know, yeah, I don't usually eat breakfast, you know, what else do you want to know? That's funny. All right, our last question from the mailbag. <laughs> this one's from John. John wants to know, besides besides the Bible, besides your family, besides working out, what is one thing that you like to do mm-hmm. 
for yourself. It's good. And, and we know it's not golf. <laughs> I mean, I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. We know it's not golf. Yeah, no, totally. I, you know, I um, it's funny because for a long time I had no answer to that, and that was not healthy for my soul. Uh, for a long time I had no hobbies, no interests, and and uh, you know that was not a good thing for me. Um, so I've been trying over the last three or four years to actually get some hobbies because I was so mission focused and then my family and there was really no time for anything else. So I have made being, you know, going to the gym or working out something that I actually sort of kind of enjoy, even though I'm not very good at it. And, and so <laughs> we that, won't go there. Yeah. <laughs> so that is like a, a hobby per se, because yep. it's time away where it's something totally different that I do. Uh, but besides that, I like basketball. Uh, I like to, uh, at this point, I'm 37. I basically watch basketball. I don't really play basketball <laughs> anymore. But occasionally I get to go play with friends. But yeah. um, it doesn't get that many times throughout the year that I get to do that. But but I do like to watch basketball with my kids, mm-hmm. uh, watch football with my boys. Me, You know, we like sports. Uh, play. Just play with my kids. We have yeah. a ton of fun. And then, you know, my wife and I have like three or four couples, friends, that we'll just pull away with and just have fun with. Yeah. And so, um, you know, go out to a restaurant, whatever, uh, you know, just have some fun definitely my best friend is my wife I mean I like to hang out with her you mm-hmm. know so we have like a tv show we'll watch together or whatever and what, uh, what is the tv show um it's um Jesus TV yeah. it's called Jesus, yeah. Jesus TV. no no that's funny no like we um so what do we watch now we all right shame we watch this is us that's yeah. my wife's show <laughs> but I watch it with her because I love that's her okay I heard yeah. it's good so it is it personally is I haven't seen it good yeah, yeah it's, good. <laughs> it's, no, it's good no it is good it's good uh but uh we watch that we watch uh one new show that we've started to watch is uh Chicago PD mm-hmm. so uh it's like a police show you yeah. know but uh yeah you know I'm kind of picky because yep. I don't, I'm not going to like watch naked people or something like that. It's yeah. just not my, you know, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And we're not fast forwarding scenes. I'm just not going to watch. But, um, but yeah, that's just, you know, uh, those are the, some of the TV shows we watch. We don't watch a ton of TV, but we, you know, we try to get away and, and have some times just to chill. Yeah. You know? Good. Yeah. So we have time for one more question. So, and the question is, what was the last thing you read that inspired you? Ooh. Um, I just finished a book called Exponential mm-hmm. uh, by Dave Ferguson. Um, it's pretty basic, but, uh, it's, it's solid. He talks just about the power of the local church, not just to add, but to multiply. And he kind of unpacks how churches can multiply rather than just, uh, add. And, uh, there's a lot in it, but that book exponential it's, it's been out for a while. It's a book that I've actually, I've met Dave Ferguson. I've, I've heard all about the book. I just never actually read it. And so I thought, (laughs) you know, I should probably actually read his book. And so I just read it last week and, uh, it's an easy read, quick read and, yeah, it was solid. Had awesome. some had some little nuggets in there. Should we drop the link at the bottom? Sure. Yeah, give them yeah. a little yeah. credit. Exponential. Well, I, I appreciate you coming out. It's always a pleasure to My sit joy. down and uh, you know, listen to what you have to say. So I appreciate it.